0: You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. All right, guys, welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch podcast. This is episode eight titled, Is it episode eight, guys? I think it's episode nine. Let me start over. Okay. Mark (laughs) Freddie. Welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is Episode Nine, entitled "Coaching Pet Peeves." We have sent the link to the chat for those of you who have listened to Episode Eight. Coach Heather and Coach Jessica are one hundred percent on board with my bodysuit idea for the evolution of, uh, fast pitch uniforms. But today, I'm going to cut them off real quick so they can't deny that they said that. We're going to get into the coaching pet peeves as it relates to parents, coaches, and other teams. And most importantly, at times, umpires. Guys, how how have you guys been up to? Or what have you guys been up to? How are you guys doing? Good?
1: All good.
0: Okay. Good. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to get into the bucket number one, which is going to be our parents bucket. Um, Heather requested to go first. So naturally, I'm going to kick it to Jessica. Injury timeout slash snacks in the dugout, Jess. What can you tell me about those things?
2: Yeah. Um, and again, most of these, at least for Heather and I are going to be related to pet peeves at more of like an elite or a select or tournament ball level, but, um, entry timeouts or snacks in the dugout, just parents being a distraction. Um, as I tell like my players' parents, if they're focusing on you, or even if they're just paying the slightest bit of attention to you, they're not paying attention to me or what I'm asking them to do, or what's going on on the field, which is where, especially for the younger girls, we need that full focus and full attention. So just not being a distraction, knowing that uh, if if especially at that level the coaches have it handled. They're in good hands. If you are needed, they will bring their child, the, your child to you. Yes. They will ask for assistance. They will ask for what they need, but not to just like run on the field or in the dugout um, where it's not only distracting their child, but the rest of the team as well.
0: Well, and I think when like the injury stuff happens or the snacks in the dugout, like I, I again, just my opinion, of course, this is a non- it's an opinion-based podcast, but like a lot of the coaching that happens and adjustments that happen are like being made on the fly. So as Jessica kind of said, it kind of takes them out of the element and out of the out of the groove, right, Heather?
1: Absolutely. Um, parents, the kids always want to make their parents happy. So if they think that mom and dad are looking at them all the time and and measuring them up all the time, they're they're going to be distracted by you. So if you're constantly chirping in their ear or or constantly getting into into their vision, you're going to be on their mind. Let them block you out. Let them focus. Let them perform.
0: Absolutely. Save the um, Skittles
2: for later. Yeah, yes, and, and
0: and to just kind of roll into the next uh, bucket item here, um, you getting them there, you know, is allowing them to perform. So what about the last-minute absenteeism or uh, slash – it says excuses here. I don't know why I put that, but what do you think about that one, Heather?
1: So coaching starts not just when we walk onto the field. So we're constantly – Thinking about what our game plan is going to be, what our lineup is going to be, you know, what how we might sub people in in the middle of the game. Um, if we think you're going to be there, and then all of a sudden, at the last minute you're not there, that throws a wrench into everything. And we have to start from ground zero. Um, this also so goes it, to
0: practice plans as well, right? Not just that, oh
1: yes, that's very true. Yes, practice and games. Um, so if we need to be able to plan accordingly, um, you know, if if you've got other things going on. You know, on occasion, that might be OK. Just let us know ahead of time and just be honest with it. You know, if, if you have a family engagement, say you have a family engagement, you know, whatever it is, just be up front.
0: Absolutely. Um, Coach uh, Jess, I'm going to kick this one to you. Parental influence as it relates to sportsmanship.
2: Uh, yes. So I think this is going to speak more so to like the umpires or other coaches during games. Um, softball is a game of passion and emotions and especially when your children are involved and you are asked to sit on the other side of the fence without any sort of like control or input or anything like that. Um, so when it comes to sportsmanship, um, mainly in like not heckling the umpire, not um, getting onto them, not making it to where uh, he, where kind of like Mike, you had talked about um, where the strike zone changes based on your parents chirping in the umpire's ear. There uh, is no and strike
0: zone at
2: that point. <laughs> ultimately him taking his frustration with the team's parents out on the girls. So it's very hard, especially at younger ages too, to understand why, in inning one, like, uh, he liked him high. And then in inning two, we're not getting that call anymore. Like the girls don't understand that. So just knowing when it's okay to speak. Um, and, and and if you are going to speak to be encouraging and building them up and spreading positivity and not like, um, arguing balls and strikes or arguing a call that, you don't even know the rules on that. That is one of my pet peeves. Um, when you have parents that, for example, like the notorious infield fly rule, which we will touch on later. Yes, um, a special podcast. But, yes, but just arguing rules that you know nothing about, just basically being influenced by other parents or feeding <laughs> off of other coaches that are riled up and just light lighten light, fuel to the fire.
0: So for so a a couple things I want to circle back to something you said a second ago. But before I get back there, um, you know, we've talked about this being at at least some of these things are more of a select level. uh, And this podcast, you know, on some of the pet peeves we have because that's what you guys coach at. And you know, I get it. Like sometimes you're at a tournament for twelve hours, you've had a couple in you, you're feeling a little froggy. I get it. Just do your best not to do it. But I actually want to circle back to where it says the control and the input from the parents. Who you know, those parents. They're amazing with their children. They 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 coach their children on the side, they work hard with their kids. It's hard, I'm assuming, um, for 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 some parents to allow their children to be coached by others. When then when you get into the select world, you've probably been the parent helping on your kids' team. And I just want to say that in my personal experience, I've been with one organization and I have never once felt that because I felt like the coaches I chose for my child were the right coaches for my child. So if you're feeling some sort of way, maybe that team just isn't the right team for your kid. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, am I hitting on something there or is it a little too much inside baseball, softball, if you will?
1: I think you're, you're leading into something. Um, There's definitely, it would be something I would think about if I'm feeling that way. Um, I will say having been on both sides of, of coaching and then also being a parent in the stands, it's a completely different experience and you have to be, at least for me, I have to be in a different frame of mind. I have to approach the game differently when I'm in the stands. If I don't find myself in that place and I am leaning back towards like coaching uh, mentality, then my experience is miserable. I'm making my kids' experience miserable. I'm making my husband next to me's experience miserable. So you have to really rein it in, or at least I do. I have to rein it in and find
0: that right headspace
1: when I am a parent in the stands.
0: So, again, real quick, Heather, I mean, you were at a tournament last weekend for your daughter in which you were not coaching. You know, Um, I'm kind of – see, this is – I'm so excited because I had a similar experience, not not to the level you did. You did a couple more than me, but, like, how did it – how did it – Can you just kind of elaborate on that a little bit, like how you put yourself in a different mindset? Because there might be some parents out there that are coaching and and they want their kids to to grow and to, you know, be coached by other people and to experience all that. Like, do you have any advice as it relates to watching a game as a coach versus, you know, just your mindset, how you prepared? Of course you thought about this and prepared for it. I'm just saying I don't know how many people, you know, do that versus just relying on emotion. So is there anything else you can kind of elaborate on that? Because I think I think that could be an entire podcast or like a whole bunch of more conversation.
1: Yeah, definitely. So like when you're when you're coach, you're you're thinking about every little part of the game and strategy and, you know, what we're going to do next and, and all those different aspects of the game. For me, when I am watching my daughter in the stands, I have to kind of back up and just focus on watching my daughter, not coaching my daughter, just watching her. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not paying attention to what she's doing and how she's playing and different things that maybe we could work on later, you know, uh, next week during the week, not there. Um, but finding that headspace where you just are enjoying watching them because as the parent, you know, how hard your kid works and this is the time they get to shine. They get to have fun. They get to play. Don't detract from that.
0: No. And I, I just, that's great. I mean, this is their moment at the end of the day, right? Like fail or succeed. This is their moment. Um, Jess, we'll go ahead and kick it back over to you. We're going to get to bucket two And Heather, I actually want to like I'm like marking for edit for this because I think this can be an entire podcast, just kind of like the theory behind all of this. Because I know I get way more excited. Like I'm 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 way more excited. I'm, I'm excitable always, but I'm I feel like I'm way more excitable when I'm watching versus participating. If that makes sense. Yo, Yeah. I am too. Definitely. Um, so, okay, well, we're going to kick it to the next coaches, uh, well, the next bucket, which is coaches slash other teams, Jessica Tanner. I'm going to ask you to start this one off with poor, uh, poor sportsmanship. Can you explain what that means to you and what it exactly looks like?
2: Um, yes, but I'm going to take, take a step back to really quick, Mike. Um, just going back to that parental influencing really quick. Um, yes, we're talking about like the select experience, but, it it goes all the way up. The softball community is so big but so small at the same time and you get to these older girls in like 14u exposure tournaments and college. Like I know we have a similar approach where we actually recruit players no as well as their parents. parents so first, right? um <laughs> yeah, well d- depending on the situation. Yes. Yeah. So um I, I we're very fortunate that I can um, go, go to my parents and say, hey, what do you know about this person? Or have you had an experience with this? Or so on and so forth. Um, Or they'll they'll come to me first. Like, hey, if, you, if you're interested in this girl, you need to know this. So just protecting our people and protecting the vibe and the culture that we as an organization have going on. Yes, exactly. But the parents like you guys play a huge role in your players softball journey from start to finish. So just know that at no point do you want to be not only a distraction or a hindrance from the goals and the dreams that she's trying to accomplish and working so hard for.
0: Oh um, yeah, so I just wanted to keep back to that podcast.
2: Me too. I I am going to have to tell you guys with my oldest getting ready to start her very first season of T-Ball, I'm going to have to go back and like listen to some of our episodes and have you guys there, like not in the stands because I'm not capable of doing that, but like down the sideline, like maybe like right field hangout, uh, watching and encouraging uh her as she plays because it is definitely going to be an experience I'm already struggling with the practices if I'm being honest
0: I mean so if I'm not recording the videos I would be very upset Jessica so
2: (laughs) I say hey I've I've got some don't worry um Um, but back to you Mike yes so poor sportsmanship when it comes to coaches and other teams um that is something that is a pet peeve of mine because we work very hard to make sure that we're not only building up our, our players and our, our families, but also like making an impact on the teams that are across the field from us, how we treat them, how we cheer for them. If they're hurt, like taking a knee, checking on them. Um, Same thing. Like, uh, last weekend, we were fortunate to play some really good competition, and a couple of girls had some like key that on against our team had some key yeah. strikeouts or some amazing like over over the back like jumping in the air robbed a, a pop up blooper like big like game changing plays. And having like teaching them and showing not only the girls but us as coaches like to be encouraging and congratulatory and like hey it's a game like it's 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 okay like um yes we want to win but just knowing that we're doing our best to instill that in our girls and it is very frustrating when you have coaches or other parents across the the field or the stands that have girls that are like standing in the way of like pitching signs on purpose or that are um the a big one for me is the high pitch screams while my pitcher's on the mound trying to focus and trying to work at like 10 even 12 years old like that's that's a distraction there's it's not encouraging that is just to me it's just being mean um and there's no place for it there uh, same thing with mean cheering um cheering against the other player or the against the other pitcher against the other team um it just it doesn't set a good environment um for my girls and the other team to be successful to have fun and then you get the emotions involved on both sides so yeah there's there's no place for poor sportsmanship
0: so before i kick it to you heather on the next one which is basically how to treat the girls with the screaming and the hollering versus coaching slash mentoring um I I just want to say, like, on that one specifically, there's absolutely no place for it. And if you're treating the girls poorly, you don't deserve to be on the field with the children. I mean, you can go ahead and touch on it after that. But I think for me, that one's so black and white, where we live in a world of grays, unfortunately, at times, like that one's that's like non-negotiable with how people treat their children.
1: 100%. Um, You, as a coach, play such a big role in these kids' lives that they look up to you and, If you're setting the example where you're screaming at them and belittling them or or even even if you're not that overt with it, like sarcasm can really do the same thing. There's no reason to be sarcastic on the field. Um, You know, if they make a mistake, you don't need a sarcastic with a child. Right. Um, You're you're setting an example for them and you're mentoring them. They are looking up to you and you're teaching them. It's not just about fielding that ground ball or or, you know, that at bat it's so much bigger than that. And I'm with you, Mike, if you're screaming and hollering and belittling these kids, kids, um, then you don't belong
0: there. Absolutely. Um, Jess, I'm going to kick it to you on this next one, which we have number one, which is the glory days, the high school fourth team district, all American um, and his <laughs> re- reliving how his, 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 or her former glory. Um, I'm kicking this one straight to you. Cause I find this topic hilarious personally
2: yeah no it, it definitely is funny Um, I have to tell you guys in our conversation notes Mike made it a point to spell days D-A-Z-E which yes. I got a kick of but um, yeah just knowing like this is like you had your time you had yes. your your opportunities like it's the girls opportunity now like it's their time to shine it's it's what they're working for and their opportunity to learn and love the game so there's no place for the egos and the um just the just the personal opinions and personal, um, feelings that go with whether it's winning and losing or certain plays or, um, and again, we're going to touch on this one, uh, in detail down the road, but comparing yourself or your daughter to yourself or your daughter to other teammates, like you're, you had your time it's come and gone. Like let the girls play
0: as a parent, do not be comparing your child to another child on their team. Don't do it. It's never going to end well for anybody involved. Sorry. No, it just, it just, it just isn't. It's, and that to me, that goes right up there with how you treat the girls. Do not compare your girl or your daughter to their friend. That is not fair. Um, Sorry. Well, it does nothing
2: for them. It it creates this already negative, like energy or vendetta, like the competition and they don't is care. not fair. No, yeah. But the they competition don't... is not with their teammates. Like yeah. the competition should be um same thing as we always tell like our girls, uh don't don't strive to be the best, necessarily strive to do your best better than yes. yesterday. Like as good as you can, whatever that is. Going back to um just not comparing yourself and that that sets a negative just a negative mindset and like the girls hang on to every word that you're Everything. saying as a parent. They, so they for, if they you're they doing nothing. it, yeah. So if you're doing it and you're comparing her to her teammates, which I will tell you, I, my dad was guilty of this. He was my coach and I can remember having a, just a heart to heart conversation with him where I finally had enough. And and my dad always had a point of and he, he meant what well, um, but it was, he always made it a point to compare me to my teammates that like I did not respect. I did not like them. They did not work hard. Um, They were not good people. Like um, at that age, we were 16, you looking to get recruited, going and playing exposure. So we had a competitive team, but just all around like different energies. I just didn't vibe with them. And he just somehow always managed to compare me to the ones that I didn't look up to. So it like did the opposite. It was like, no, I, I do. I do not want to be like them. I, like that's the opposite of what i'm trying to do um so yeah i think again we'll go into a deeper dive there but just let the girls have their time
0: all right and especially at this age right if you get one percent better every single day over the course of a year that's 365 percent. you've gotten better it's it's fine just continue to work on personal growth and personal development like don't just don't compare <laughs> please don't compare it's I guess, I guess going back to the coaching pet peeves, like that's mine. Like, just please don't do it. Like, just please don't do it. It it doesn't help anybody. And it it really can kill relationships at a young age, um, unfortunately at times. But um, guys, we got like three minutes. So I'm going to end this right now. And I'm saying this out loud so I can start a new Zoom call, cut this part off, and we can wrap it up and I'll splice them together. Okay.
2: Okay. Mark for edit.
0: (laughs) Mark for edit. Now I'm leaving this in. Good job, Jess. Okay. All right, guys, so uh, we are back now. Bucket number three is the umpires. Lack of consistency. Not from classification to classification. No, 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 no. From tournament to tournament. Jessica and Heather, I'm going to flip a coin. I don't know who wants to go first on this one, but this one's fun.
1: So this one is interesting because you would think that the rules are the rules, but um, according to which tournament you're at, might dictate what rules you're playing by and we, may not even, we may not even know which rules we're playing by um so e- even in the same sanction from weekend to weekend tournament to tournament we have seen so many discrepancies um one good example is that um our catcher will sometimes notice that the batter is stepping out of the box and getting in her way of trying to pick off a runner so you know she she doesn't let that get in her way and she kind of goes through that batter when they get in her way um which should be uh an an out um (laughs) now which person is out we don't really know um if you read the rule book um it says that the runner on say third if that's where the pickoff was going should be out but depending on what tournament you're on you're in could be the batter, could be the runner. Uh, you just flip a coin, I guess. So the person um, on the
0: on deck circle was looking a little yeah, saucy. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah.
1: So they're out, or you know, it's just it's a yeah. it's close. Um, so not knowing that that what the rules are and having that inconsistency weekend to weekend is super frustrating, and it it makes it it makes it harder to play the game.
0: Well, it makes it hard for the girls too, right? To understand yes. the game, like as well, I think.
1: Definitely. You know, they think that they're starting to understand things and then an umpire calls a call and it's different from what they've been taught. And it's very confusing.
0: Well, I mean, they're like, what do you mean? This is the the infield fly rule. I didn't, I I didn't think that was the thing. Like, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to figure it all out. Um, but I agree the consistency from tournament to tournament time, you know, some of it's understood, but the things that lack consistency are just silly things. Like it's not the big things. It's the little things.
2: Well, Mike, I'm going to add to that too. Uh, another part of the pet peeves for me is um, like that's something that we have practiced and we've worked on with the girls to the point where it got to be so frustrating that we would even ask tournament directors ahead of time, hey, yeah. Here's the situation, we are most likely going, yeah, before the tournament starts, we are most likely going to encounter this play because our catchers have been working really hard on it and they know to look for it and so on and so forth. What is the ruling? And I just remember at one point last year having that conversation with the tournament director ahead of time and him straight up telling me that, hey, coach, you're not going to get that call. And so then it's a conversation. What do you what do you mean? We're not going to get that call. And then his response being, well, if I call that at 10U and even 12U, I'm going to have parents that are escorted out of here. And so just not only not having the consistency from tournament to tournament, but also not like enforcing or having the, like the discipline to keep that consistency so that the girls can learn the game it does them no good to change from tournament to tournament or to not enforce something that they know is the rules so as you guys can finally or can probably figure out by now i'm very much like a black and white structure it is what it is like super transparent so when it comes to stuff like that that is absolutely a pet peeve of mine
0: so the the comment made was if I call it at ten and twelve, that I'm gonna have parents you know walk me in the parking lot. How like I've I've heard of umpires before. I, I've never seen it, but like umpires in certain calls issuing like, hey, this is a warning here. Like I'm letting you know that this is what they did. Explain the rule to your your player. She's she's nine or ten. How do you address stuff like that? I mean, do you argue as a or do not do you argue? Do you do you discuss as a coach like if the umpire let you know he's hey it's a warning, dude? Like, they probably didn't know. Can you just explain to them to try to keep the game moving? Like, what would you do in that scenario?
1: I think that depends what level we're talking about. We're talking league play, then I think that's we're a talking bracket. select. Let's,
0: select, let's play, select. Then that's,
1: select play select that's, play that's pretty that's inappropriate, especially like in a bracket game. Um, usually at the plate before the game, umpires will kind of go over their. You know the ground rules. Um, touch on anything that they maybe have been encountering at that tournament in particular, or you know, sort of hot topic rules at at, for, at the time. Um, and they'll they will usually say, you know, we're not no. There will be no is- warnings issued. No, if you leave early, for example, we're calling it out. There will be no warnings. So that's that's how that should be handled. Um, and and what gets really dicey is when. Maybe they warn one team, but the other team doesn't get a warning. They're just out. Um, that's definitely something that you uh, go have a conversation with the umpire about.
0: So, and, and I find it interesting because we're focusing specifically, just as an example, on this this catching play, right? Like on the batter's box, whatever. But like as a pitching parent, like I know how a pitch is, like what a present, like a presentation is, where the feet are supposed to be, like that at a young level as well isn't really enforced either, especially not consistency. Consistently, like that one's for me is tough because that's what I look for, and you know, just or not what I look for, but but what my eyes gravitate towards, Heather. And it's just that consistency is just not there from tournament to tournament. Like, if you're being taught how to pitch one way, and then at one tournament, it's fine, but at another tournament, oh, we can't do that, that's not enough of a presentation. I'm like, that's a pause, like you know what I mean? It's it's like you said, this the consistency is really, really lacking at some tournaments, um, even within the same sanctions, tournament to tournament. Um
1: yes. it's frustrating and I try to have a little bit of grace because I realize that these umpires are you know they're not volunteers they get paid but they're not getting paid enough to be you know MLB umpires. We're not no. we shouldn't expect that quality and I don't but um just trying to be consistent and being upfront about it is what
0: we're looking for. Just an unbiased official trying to help the girls play softball with a little bit of consistency um
2: yeah and Michael, on that too you asked about the warning I think that like as a pitching parent um I think pitching wise like a warning okay that might make sense because it's literally touching the ball every pitch like it influences the whole rest of the game whereas a situation like Heather spoke to with a batter stepping out of the box or a runner leaving early like that instance is like a game-changing play it's not something that may necessarily present itself to fix again or so on and so forth and if especially on that the interference call like if a 10 catcher is smart enough to read that and continue making the play like then like to me, they should get the that play. other players, yeah. well, the other players should know to stay in the box. Like that is their safe area. So you teach both ways, right? If, if that play again, teaching the girls. So if that play happens, it gives the other coach an opportunity to coach their players so that yes. they're learning the rules and they're doing it correctly.
0: No, I, I I would agree with that. I was more so just, just prodding if you will, and just trying to see what you guys would go with that one. Um, but just, you know, from consistency, tournament to tournament kind of ties into the next one. Um, what about when the umpires refuse to ask Jessica?
2: Heather, you Jessica. want to take that one?
0: Or Heather. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh so you know, you have a, a play that maybe is a close call or a, a question on a on a ruling just in general, and you want to go talk to the umpire and they cut you off before sometimes before you even can call time and step foot on the field. Um you know, it's real frustrating as a coach when especially when you have a bang bang play and you you see that. The umpire that made the call, what, their view was maybe obstructed, and you can tell that you know they really did not have a view. And all you're doing is asking them if they will possibly talk to their partner on the field and see, and see if they can come up with the right call. Um, I don't, I haven't ever gotten so you know super irritated that I haven't gotten the the call has been turned my way. But when you won't even ask for help, that's inserting yourself into the game when you
0: an you know, injustice, might you say?
1: Yeah, I mean when you insist that you're infallible, you cannot make a mistake, uh, you're taking the game out of the out of the girls' hands. So I know we talk about the coaches need to oh. be aware of the fact that, you know, the game they're there for the girls. Well, it's true for the umpires too. You know, if the girls weren't playing the game, you wouldn't be there to umpire the game either. So let's let's be reasonable and, and stop trying to make your mark on the game. You're supposed to be there to officiate it, not change it.
0: The best officials are the officials that you don't know where they're at or the influence they have. And I apologize. The word I was looking for was travesty of the game, Alex, for 500. I, I totally flubbed that line, unfortunately. <laughs> travesty of the game. Um, But it's funny you went to that because I was more so talking about, um. well, when, the way I thought about this one was refusing to ask for help, as in, I really am not sure on what that ruling is. Like, not like, don't approach me, you're wrong. But like, I'm not really sure. That's kind of what I was thinking about when, when I saw that one on the list. You yeah, you you're going to jump
2: in and take that yeah, one. because that's, that's a, that's a pet peeve too. Um, There is a, to me, it's again, talking about Ian being infallible. No one's perfect. Like the rule book is big and long and has a bunch of big words in it. So I, I know, I don't know every single ruling in there, but um, being able to have a conversation with an umpire where if they don't know they say they don't know they don't yes, try please. to try to stand their, their ground and having an argument because i i will tell you like i'm i am a very i try to be very respectful as a coach but i'm also very stubborn so especially in a situation where i know i am right like we're going to bat so in that situation umpires that are not willing to admit like hey i was out a position or hey coach i didn't see it i'm sorry like if as, as an umpire if i have a question and that is your answer you won't hear another word from me. Like, I get it. You missed it. Like, Hey, okay, maybe just keep an eye for the next one or so on and so forth. But if you sit there and you stand your ground, um, with no basis, like knowing, like, as I'm walking out there that you didn't see the call because you had your back turned, like, That's a different conversation. So, um, yes, not asking for help, especially when you didn't see it or you don't know the ruling. And then also to add to that, a pet peeve of mine, um, Heather, I don't know if this has happened to you or not, but I know that there have been a a few instances throughout my coaching career where – um, umpires like treated me differently as a female where it was like, I was like questioning their authority or decision-making or instances where I would try to go and question a call or a ruling. And like, they absolutely would not even have a conversation with me, like, like told me not to come on the field. So, um, that, that, that's a pet peeve of mine, just not being able to have like an open dialogue with the umpire.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, um, a pet peeve that's beyond a pet peeve that goes that's a different conversation when the, the umpire is treating you differently um sometimes just the way they address you the words they choose um it's not appreciated
2: I what heather's speaking to is when they call you no hey it's it's heather and i have talked about this because it's a real thing but for example for those of you that are wondering um that's when like they address you as little lady or miss or anything other than coach like wait hold
0: on <laughs> little lady I, a that, that's co- an actual conversation that actually happened
2: uh a few times at least for me heather any yeah. any that stick out oh for my. you yeah. honey darling you know yeah any of those things. yeah not not,
1: and
0: and so not from, from uh, devil's advocate here not from the south it, i mean aren't those southern terms like i mean is it still like patronizing though correct
1: it's patronizing it's 2023 let's get over that
2: Yes, it's belittling. And even though it's like youth softball, for me, it's still like a professional setting. Like I have a job to do. Um, or you have a job to do. The coach on the other field or on the other side of the field has a job to do. Let's just keep it at that. So yeah, the the belittling and the pet names, like, yeah, those those get under my skin.
0: <laughs> That's wild. So I mean, I'm not laughing at you guys. I'm just kind of astonished that like those were the, the phrases that were thrown out. Um, and And like you just said, Jessica, like in the select world, and I and I'm not sure exactly the pricing for umpires and you know in record league ball, but we all see that the the pay at the plate fees. Like, yes, it's it's you know it's youth softball, but they're making good money. Like they really are. If you're calling a few games, you're going home with quite a a, a nice bag. Um, so, speaking to that integrity, accountability, um, I you know cheating the game clock. I'm gonna say it. I'll throw it out there. Jessica, Heather, I don't know which one of you wants this one, but whoever wants to put themselves on the front line, go for it.
2: Yeah, I'll take that one. So accountability, Um, like we just said, professional environment. Um, So knowing the rules, accepting accountability when you don't know the rules or you didn't see the call, but also um, keeping it fair uh, for both teams. Um, I know that there have been a few games this season and last where – We've been on the other side of the game clock where, and, and I will tell you, um, time management is part of the game. Um, so knowing how much time you have left, um, if, if you need to stretch that out, if you need to hurry it up to get your your team another at bat. But there have been instances where we have seen umpires, like, because we have our clock, we started it on the coin flip, we know it's right Um, where we have seen umpires like bold face based like lie about how much time is left on the clock to the point where it is influencing the results of the game um and so that just uh, like all around conversation like do your job have some integrity some accountability and let the girls play
0: how about having a little pride in what you're sorry i didn't mean get all excited how about having a little pride in what you're doing like taking pride in your role as an official of the game. Right. I mean, that's huge guys. Uh, I mean, it's, I get it. That's one of the non-negotiables for me. Um I have never been in a situation where clocks have been ran like that, but that seems so, I mean, it seems possible, obviously, but it seems so ridiculous that it would even be on someone's mind to have to go back and restart a clock and put less time. Mike, like I've, that, seen I've I know. I know.
1: I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, the umpire says, Okay, we're gonna play a sixty minute game and you see him as he goes to press start on his timer and it says fifty-eight. Uh, what are we doing here? You he just told me it was sixty minutes.
2: Yes. Or on the same breath, knowing that our clocks that were started at the exact same time as the umpire on the coin toss, um, our clocks show two minutes and thirty-eight seconds left, and you just called ball game. And then when the coach also, the other coach also has two minutes or so left and she goes to ask you about it you won't have a conversation with her like it's a very real thing
0: so let's kind of if you guys don't mind dive into it a little bit like as a coach how do you address that situation are you getting a uic involved or i mean if it's pool versus bracket are you handling it differently like like how are you really you know not wanting to call this umpire into question if you might have them the rest of the weekend so fine well, I'm line take- right
2: this this i remember i had to learn from this because i didn't know as a coach this happened to us last season we had about a minute and 20 left and we were down by one with a runner on third and uh, i think it was a strikeout or something happened we're home team we're getting ready to take the field and they call ball game and i know good and well we still have plenty of time left we just turned over a new inning and um, I I mean, at the time, I was not knowledgeable about what to do. And I did not, I did not know what to do. I didn't think to ask. So just so you guys are aware, in that instance, you get the UIC involved. Um, we, we went up to him after the tournament and told him what the scenario was. And it just so happened to be a, a, an instance where the UIC had to get involved on a couple of other calls throughout the game as well. So he was very familiar with our game and the, and the crew on hand. Um, And they were a younger crew, but it, that has nothing to do with it. It goes back to the accountability. And in that instance, you get the UIC involved. You show him your game clock, your game clock left. Um, you ask the other team um, to show them theirs. Uh, I don't know what the result of that would be, but you absolutely have to challenge um, before the umpires walk off the field. By the way, that is a big part of this. So if you are in a discrepancy on the game clock, um, just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to challenge this. I want to get the UIC. Once they leave the field, nothing can be done.
0: Interesting. Um, again, accountability, right? I mean...
2: Heather, do you remember that
1: conversation? I do remember that. Um, it, it, and it is... I mean, I don't know what else you w- the alternative would be other than going and finding the UIC, the umpire in charge. But, um, you know, that's, that's a lesson... That we had to learn the hard way and that's a lesson in knowing um, that you should probably be aware of who the UIC is um, when you go into a tournament so that if you need to track them down, you can.
2: Well, and also too, like as a coach, be, like I know that I went home sick to my stomach because that was the game that put us out of the tournament. That's something where I felt a sense of accountability because it was like, Hey, I know that there is wrongdoing here, but I don't know what to do about it. So again, going back to, um, umpires and influencing things that happen throughout the game and just rules like knowing that that's something that we as coaches learn too and that is a mistake that will never happen again
1: right um that helpless feeling is not a good feeling
2: No, because the girls played so hard. And I mean, especially like that's you're there for them. Right. So knowing they're fighting, they're they're coming back, they're doing everything they can, knowing that we could have done something differently with like an injustice or whatever the case may be. Um, Yeah, there you go, Mike. So, yeah. So for those of you wondering if you have a question or you want to challenge game clock, tell them, tell them you want to challenge, tell them you're getting the UIC and don't let them leave the field.
0: Well, it's always helpful to have a, 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 a team of parents you can trust to stand guard um if <laughs> if said if said uic is not readily available guys this lasted um over two different recording sessions so i'm gonna go and end it here is there anything else you guys want to add to your pet peeves because to be honest like this is pet one part two we probably could have went three or four parts deep on this one
2: mm-hmm. No, I think it'd be just a good note to to make note in our wrap up that this is something that if you guys would continue to write in your pet peeves, that we could get some good feedback and expand on those uh, and hopefully provide some some valuable feedback that would help either help you with parent situations or players or even umpires so that it isn't just a rant session and you guys are actually grabbing some educational value from this as
0: well. Yes, this 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 podcast leaned a little rant heavy, but again, this is an opinion based podcast, guys. So, all right, I'll go ahead and wrap us up here. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. Share across all of our social media platforms. Jessica Heather, it was a lot of fun over the last couple hours talking softball with you ladies. We will well, I will see you guys this weekend, but un- until then, you guys have a great rest of your night, and we will be back shortly with another edition of. fundamental fast pitch podcast which is right up coach jess's alley uh base running 101 thanks guys have a great rest of your night